Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to a very, very special live episode number 20 of This Old Marketing, coming to you live from Content Marketing World in Sydney, Australia, Monday, March 31st of 2014. As always, if you're so inclined, and before you all have enough cocktails that yourself getting inclined. We would love a review of our small little podcast on iTunes, and we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher or email or simply just invite us over to your house. If you have enough cocktails, we would love to do the show for you personally, actually. All of this and the show notes can be found at thisoldmarketing.com, where you can also find everything that has general awesome sauce greatness about This Old Marketing. And also... And as always, for the first time in this old marketing history, I'm actually sitting live and in the orange flesh with my good friend, the godfather of content down under, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Hello, Ari. How are you, my friend? And oh, welcome to Oz. Oh, my God. Oh, and let's hear it, baby. I, I couldn't be better, Robert. Uh, let me ask you, how many glasses of wine have you had tonight? Uh, well, accounting, uh, I've, I've got three full ones in front of me, so uh, I, I guess, uh, well, we'll just not, yeah, so let's, let's just, not go, go let's just move on. <laughs> but this is, you know, a couple firsts here. We have the first time we've ever done a podcast in front of each other. Absolutely. So that's a little scary. <laughs> it's only going to get better from here, <laughs> my friend. Better or worse. Yeah. And our first in front of a live audience, which Absolutely. is nice. Absolutely. This is really nice, actually, to yep. see all these bright and shining faces. They're all in their phones, right? They're all staring into their phones, like typing madly, <laughs> like, oh my God, this, this is really worse than we yeah, thought. Well, it was actually, going to this, be. this old marketing is the hashtag. So if anybody's yes. tweeting, this old marketing is the hashtag. And I just, I'm actually just curious, who's listened to the podcast before? Anybody? Oh, my God. People are actually wow. listening. Uh, for those people listening at home, that was everyone. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was literally. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a scary thing, exactly. actually. Should we move on to the news? Yeah, let's do the news. All right. Well, our first news item actually comes. Um, it's an interesting one, actually. It's. This, uh, you know, it, it's, well, it's something that's near and dear to your heart, which is the publishing industry, of yep. course. And it talks about, it's a Pew Research uh, study that came out and actually talked about that the digital publishing world is in search of a business model. And to me, it was like, okay, duh, right? I mean, the, are, we, are we, you know, the headline was basically, in search of a sustainable digital business model, Pew says that the state of digital business news is struggling. And to me, it was like, okay, yeah, digital publishing is hard. Right. So, I mean, did you have a take on this? I well, mean, it, I think what's interesting is, and they go into the article, and we'll obviously put this in the show notes, but uh, you've got the Vice Media $70 million investment. You've got uh, the founder. Mashable. Well, yeah. Mashable. You've got the founder of eBay uh, doing his own thing. Right. Uh, what's that one called? That's with First Look Media. Yep. Uh, and then, as you said, Mashable. And you've got 19 Mark, million, I you've think. You've got Andreessen yeah. doing a lot in this space. Now, my concern is, and I guess everybody's concerned, how do you then fund this if it's not just advertising and sponsorship? Because a lot of these people in this room are creating their own content yeah. or they're hiring people to help them create the content. So, Well, it, you know, to me, it, 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 it reeks of, you know, there's this, there's, we've, you know, it, what are we, three minutes in and we're already going to start talking native advertising again. But it, 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 is there a different business model that exists other than advertising where a brand can actually start to take advantage of a publisher's platform to pull audience and actually and, and have it mean something other than, you know, other than banner ads. I really think what we're seeing, and I think a lot of people will attest to this here, 
is that you're not going to be able to tell the difference. We talked about this before. You're not going to yeah. be able to tell the difference between a brand publishing and a publisher publishing on the platform because they're going to basically be selling the same things. They're going to be selling products and services. Right? Well, uh, well, and it was interesting because today we had um, our agency workshop. So at part of uh, Content Marketing World Sydney, we had a, a wonderful workshop that happened today. That Of course had, it's wonderful. You ran it, right? Of course. How it, you know... It's time for more wine. So we, this workshop that we had today brought in all these different agencies that are selling all these different services across the content marketing spectrum. And one of the things that came up today was there is becoming less and less of a difference between media production companies, publishing companies, and traditional agencies that are selling strategic services to brands to further their, you know, to further their purpose with content. And so as the lines start to blur, how, how do, you know, so publishers that are in search of a business model, how do they differ from an agency that's sort of searching for a business model in the same way? It's a really interesting thing to me because the publishers that are actually searching for a business model are turning to branding services, building custom content, building websites, building you know, native advertising, building programs to help brands create, manage, and use content as a strategic asset, but they're doing so in a way that actually competes with the agencies that the brand may be hiring to actually do that for them as well. I'm just, I'm, I'm scared. I like all the attention on the digital publishing models. I actually love it. I think it's great. I mean, you have, like, look at BuzzFeed are hiring journalists in drove right now. I think that's great for journalism in general. As traditional media companies are letting journalists go, we're having these new media companies that are hiring them. Yes. The concern is still BuzzFeed and all the new, uh, basically everybody else out there is funded by advertising. Yeah. And some of it's native. As right. we know, BuzzFeed is a majority native advertising. And, but still, well, and I don't think advertising is going away. I mean, certainly. No. Yeah, right. But I don't know how... if. Let's just say you got a $250 million funding from the founder of eBay into <laughs> how, how are you going, how do you, if it's just advertising and sponsorship, how can you make money off of that? Right. Well, that's what we're seeing. I mean, as any tech startup will tell you, funding and profitability are not. That's yeah. right. It doesn't <laughs> it matter. It has nothing to do with each it other. It doesn't matter, right? right? Yeah, it doesn't really. We have some people in this room that could testify I, I, have, I have a feeling <laughs> that, that can talk all about funding and profitability having nothing to do like, Shall we move on? Yeah, I guess I would just finish it up with, yeah. I think the future business model, if it's not sponsorship of some kind, I think you're going to get publishing companies that are going to sell actual products and services, I think that's get right. a heavy into e-commerce. I think that's right. Get beyond just basic affiliate models, and that's you know, and then where what's the difference between them and anyone else? In well, this room? and and I think the ta- if we look for a takeaway, right? If we look for a takeaway for what marketers can sort of look to. It's as they start to expand their horizons about what kind of services they're going to buy for content. Publishers are an interesting option now, right, for how they actually get content executed and designed and produced because they're in search of a business model. And so the services model might be a, a great one for them. Well, maybe what, maybe what you do is you become so big in the publishing space, don't worry about the revenue, but you get so many subscribers, so much page traffic, whatever the case is, and then you have an IBM, an Oracle, or somebody like that buy you. Well, that would be a good model. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would all like I would I would appreciate that model. That'd be fantastic. You want you want Oracle to buy CMI? I have no comment on <laughs> any of that. 
right now. Speaking of buying and speaking of startup companies that are getting bought, um, so I get, it, it, this was weird. I saw this appear in my news, um, and then actually our keynote speaker tomorrow, Mark Schaefer, covered this in, in some detail. Um, lithium acquires clout. Finally, I mean, didn't we talk about this in February? I mean, do do any I thought of you it guys happened already? Yeah, I mean, it, it, this all happened. How about you guys out there in the audience? Did, does anybody care that lithium acquired clout? And scene, right? Okay, and so nobody nobody cares. All right, that's the right. end of that. So news moving story. on. <laughs> all right. Next news item: um, LinkedIn actually made oh. some announcements uh, this week, um, and they are announcing... Well, before you, before yeah. you want to go into it, you want to bring our guest, uh, yeah, guest absolutely. star? Absolutely. Actually, I have, to, I have to say something. So we have, a, we have another first. We have a couple guests on the show. And first off, right. I have to make sure that we have a big shout-out for the folks at King Content, good friends of ours for a long time. We wouldn't be, do- <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this live if it wasn't for them, so... Big shout out well, to Well, we them. would be, but it would be way underfunded. It would be, yeah. it would, yeah. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't have an, as much That's right. wine. We wouldn't in front have of us. near as much wine or, nor as nice a microphone. That's yeah. it. So, yeah, exactly. So, so, thanks to our friends at King Content. And then um, we thought that because of that, we should have our old friend Todd Wheatland as one of our first guest. So, let's, let's give a warm, warm, friendly, this whole marketing <laughs> round of applause for Mr. Todd Wheatland. Todd Wheatland. Yeah. So I don't know, a brief, brief introduction, uh, Todd, we've known Todd for a long time, and uh, let's see, I prob- you probably started, you were speaking at the first content marketing world. I did, uh, and I came back. And, you did, and you've been, I think, I think you are the only person that has spoken at every content marketing world in the States and in Australia. It's cost me a fortune, but it's yeah. worth it. <laughs> Well, I think it speaks really to our lack of imagination, really more than anything else. Well, that's why we. Well, in the feedback, we, well, in the feedback, they're always like, "Would you please mix up the speakers?" But we just, I always, they never pay attention to that. Uh, but we do, you know. Before we get into, we have a couple relevant news articles we'd like you to comment on. But uh, you know, there's some news, and do you want? Do you mind talking? You, you've gone to the dark side. Dun, yeah. dun, I have dun. crossed to the dark side. I am. Um, yeah, look, I came back to Australia, as you know, I came back to Australia like uh, late last year, and the way, I, the way I've been explaining it is I came back, actually we were here last year for this event, and the, the change between that event a year ago and six months later when I actually moved back here was so incredible in terms of the uptake in content marketing and the, the whole concept of that thing that I'm really passionate about and that I, I love doing, and it's been... a uh, yeah, it's been an incredibly buoyant, it's really just a totally different environment. So I think the, the, the general uptake, the enthusiasm, the motivation, and, and this the whole ecosystem has really evolved so much. And I, I mean, there's a lot more people here this year as well, we're going to see in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. It's, been, uh, it's been a great thing. So for me, an awesome, an awesome approach and, and opportunity with King and the, the ambition of these guys and the, um, the take they have. And I think you'll see it here t- today, or, you know, they're really really thinking very laterally and very largely about the future. And, you know, you've seen these guys in the last few years in, in, in the U.S. as well, very focused on the tech side, very focused on amplification, very focused on end-to-end and ROI, and it's just a, it's a very exciting environment, and you, I'm very excited to be joining these guys. I just realized? What's that? This is what native advertising looks yeah, in a right, podcast. Exactly. I'm an yeah. implant. Right. He was, it's like it's, a, you know, shit. <laughs> I don't think it's, yeah. 
Yeah, he can drop the mic now because it's not lost on me that his boss is sitting right over there and he's basically... Any more talking points, Craig? I, yeah. I think I covered yeah. them off, right? Okay, yeah. thanks. Well, just so we, just so we know, you're, you went from and I, you went to now. So everybody knows. Okay, so I was the CMO at um, the outsourcing side of Kelly Services and the head of what we were calling Thought Leadership, which is a sexy way of saying content marketing for uh, Kelly Services. Actually, content marketing is a sexy way of saying CMO. So, <laughs> Okay, there you have it. So, yeah, I, de I definitely have crossed the dark side from a large-scale global role, but uh, I'm enjoying it. And your new title? It's head of strategy at, at King. Do they meet you before they gave you this title? <laughs> <laughs> Do they know who you are? <laughs> of course, we're old friends, so I can yeah. say that. Thanks. All right, so we have a couple news articles. Absolutely. And, and right. we thought that they were pretty relevant for you to comment on, especially with... So let's do the LinkedIn one first. And, yeah, there, and was see an, there was an interesting article that came out. I mean, there was a couple of, uh, uh, of outlets that have covered it, right? So TechCrunch covered it. AdAge covered it. There was a number of, 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 of publishers that covered it, which is LinkedIn has introduced some new tools, right, for, for, as they say, for content marketers to, one, score content. So they're offering up this content scoring model, which is really only for brands. It's not for individuals, even though they offered up the – the new ability for individuals to blog um, and become, like Joe is, a LinkedIn influencer. And so, but they have this, this idea that, that you can now score your content. And then they also offered up this curation tool where if you're a brand, you can actually look to LinkedIn to see what kinds of articles are popular and sort of tune your editorial for this. Now, to me, I have to say, I looked at this and I thought, all right, I get it. This is LinkedIn being self service you know, before, oriented. Before you go into that, are our LinkedIn friends here? Thank God. Okay, so we can okay. say okay, and okay, we just can want to make sure. crap LinkedIn, great supporter. Right. Okay. Just want to make yeah, sure we're going to talk yeah. bad about them. Yeah. That no, we're huge fanboys. We're, we're huge fanboys. Yeah. We are. But to the extent that this is self-serving, it feels very self-serving to me that this is, these are tools that are basically encouraging you as a brand to build, you know, and we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum um, before about building your properties on rented property. And so I want to get your take as a LinkedIn expert here. What is the, is this really something I should, as a brand, I should be investing my time in? As a self-serving mechanism, I think if you were to judge it versus how Facebook have done it, I think it's a great move because I think Facebook have done an entirely bad job of this. There's so much... Just because of the positioning of it or is it because that I mean, they've done a, a, a functional bad job? I think there's it? such a difference between pre the average person who goes, okay, I posted something on Facebook and now I'm going to promote it and someone who actually knows what they're doing because you would never do that if you knew what happened. Right. Right. So the, the people who actually know how to work with Facebook advertising is an entirely different class and group of people to the average people who are using the product. Sure. And I think that's a huge... And that, and that, I think, is a big contributor to the massive pushback you have from marketers and people who are freaking out, especially the last few months about, oh, including you, Joe, right? Very vocal about this is an outrage. We, they, they had a promise that social was different, and now they're just trying to sell us, and we, you know, this is ridiculous. Right. So I think it's a great proactive way, and the crowd's gone really silent. That must be a good thing, right? That's a good indication <laughs> of what your speech is going to be like tomorrow. They're wrapped with attention, Todd. Uh, look, it, yeah, absolutely. But they're educating the, the, the audience how to use the tool. It's, and what, they, what, what, what I think is really cool about this, and we were with Jason Miller last week, so I had the chance to, to pinhole him about this and say, look, what's the story? And I, I think it's a... If you think what LinkedIn has, they have the company, they have the employee, they have the 
clients, they have the general community, and they have the target base. I mean, they, they've got the they've got sure. this ecosystem yep. which is enormous, and the sheer volume of, of data that flows between all of those entities and, and and people involved in the process for the first time, and we've already always been able to, to you know manage to to measure a little bit of it or to get an insight about it, but the actual the actual echo chamber that, that represents is huge, especially for B2B marketers, and I know there's a lot here. I mean, I've come from a B2B side, and this is, I mean, LinkedIn, without doubt, if I talk to anyone who I really admire in, in, as a B2B marketer, they would run away from Facebook, run away from Twitter, and just keep their own website and LinkedIn. That's kind why, of the way why, it is. Why Twitter? Well, if you had to choose, if you had yeah. to choose another property outside of, outside of your own site. Okay. So uh, for me, it's uh, this is where they have groups, they have showcase pages, they have company pages, you have individuals within the, the organization. You know how hot advocacy is right now, right? Sure. So that whole piece of if you can get employees involved in creating your content, if you can get clients involved in creating your content, then their willingness to expose and amplify that message into the marketplace and an ability to measure that, it's, it's pretty sweet. So, I wonder, though, it, I mean, it... It begs the question of whether face or uh, LinkedIn is really just following in the footsteps of what you know, maybe avoiding some of the some of the missteps that Facebook has made, but just following in the footsteps of what Facebook has done from a let us give you the tools so that you can build this reach to your audience, you know, with our tools and and you know with content. Because it's in their best interest, obviously, to have as much content for these brands as possible, only to be disappointed later because the rules change, right? The, the game, the, you know, the rules of the game. And I know you're not here to defend LinkedIn necessarily in their business model, but, but the thing I worry about as a, as a marketer is I see, the, I see them deploying these tools, and they're very nice, and it's, very, it's a very good thing. But the thing I worry about is, is, is it yet another enticement for us to build our house on somebody else's property where at, where at some point they go you know what the rules have changed now and you've got to pay in order to reach that community that you've just built uh, undoubtedly yeah i mean it's it's the sweet the sweet smell of is it better to have is it better to have more measurability and actual recourse to understand what's really happening with your yeah. spend and your activity now i mean obviously it makes a lot of sense if you're saying, well, I, I created content and I posted it on a certain page, then, well, here's a nice tool that tells me that my competitors, when they post their content, are advertising and I can get more reach if I do so. Okay, so clearly integrating their touch points for revenue is a huge part of what's driving this. But at the same time, if, my, if it's meeting my ROI objective and it's, it's a better channel to do so than other alternate advertising mechanisms... There's yeah. a role do, for it. Right? Do you understand the scoring? Because when I read through the articles, the scoring looked like a clout type, th like, oh, and we're going to take your post and multiply it by, by a this. million. By a million. By a million. Right? Well, I think it's the million. Yeah. If it was just multiplied by a thousand, I wouldn't pay attention because because it's a million. It's big. I'm getting. It should be a billion. Then I'd really be paying attention. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that means anything. And, and we should we should also add. This isn't available to anyone. So you haven't seen it. You haven't seen right. it. I had a, like a sniff of it. Oh. But it's, yeah, just a sniff. <laughs> yeah. But it was enough. Um, no, but <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that unless you're a big enough advertiser already on LinkedIn, right. you're not seeing this tool. This is like a, you know, it's going to be a slow, a slow rollout. But this is for those companies that are already paying to promote, right? It's basically a tool that's being introduced to help people understand, well, you're already paying to promote. 
this is what's happening with it. It's actually just giving, it's basically a nice way of packaging up metrics yeah. and showing it where you can plug in and basically saying, gee, I mean, a lot of people do miss this. Why pay so much to promote posts when you can actually be leveraging your existing workforce to do it for you? But my That's a miss. My concern is, is yours. I think there's a huge opportunity. I mean, even on the Content Marketing Institute site, I was talking with Michelle Lynn, our content director, and our shares have literally doubled since the publishing platform was open. And I think it's because more people are sharing, actively sharing content on LinkedIn. There's just more content there to be shared. I mean, it's, it's simple. It's a sticky place. I, I, I'm very interested to see what their engagement metrics are looking like. You know, because who used to look at a LinkedIn feed six months ago? Yeah. You never did, right? Yeah. I think we shared the. I posted my first LinkedIn blog post last week. I'll talk week. about that because it's okay. interesting. Crazy story. I posted. I had access to it for a long time, and I just never got around to do anything. I posted the first article last week. Uh, it's had 120,000 views. I haven't told anyone about this thing, right? It's just, it just went nuts. And this is like literally in 24 hours, 5,000 Was it shares. a really compelling post? Apparently. I mean, was it? No, I mean, really, what was it? I mean, it was... It was, it was about leaving my old job, basically. It was okay. about uh, cloud getting bought by lithium. Yeah, okay. lithium. <laughs> I really optimized for lithium in yeah, the keywords. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, you know, but 600 and whatever comments... I mean, it's just the, the, just the sheer, if, if I never do a post as popular as that again, the sheer insight as to what is possible on this platform wow. in terms of the, the scale, is, yeah. it's, it's incredible, right? Well, okay, so speaking of comments and moving to the next news item here, which is a, a, a really interesting one um, for me, that as I, as I was reading through the news this week, and this was something that came up, you know, so you know, so everybody knows Copyblogger. Everybody, anybody, copy blogger fans here? So, vocal, not the hand raised. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So, copy blogger actually made a business decision to remove comments from its blog completely. They'd already, much to Joe's consternation, removed the date from the. Don't from, get me started yeah, on the date from the blog post. But now they've removed comments, and they had a, and, and Sonia Simone wrote a, a post about why they made this business decision to remove comments from the blog. So I'm, I wanted to get your take, Todd, on this and find out what you thought about removing comments from the blog, and of course yours too, Joe. I mean, this is a really interesting thing to me. Where are they? Is Copyblogger actually redefining what it is by removing the date, which really removes the topical nature, and then removing comments? which actually gives you some contextual nature of the date because you see when the comment was actually made. Now they've removed all time from the actual blog post itself. So every blog post is quote-unquote evergreen. Is this redefining what a blog really is? Because it used to be, of course, reverse chronological order. This is what, you know, this, these are our thoughts in time. But now it's really just a series of articles that don't really have any conversation at all. I mean, I, do you guys have a take Look, on it's, this? It's, it is, I mean, this one really floored me. When I first saw it, I was, I, I was absolutely shocked. Yeah. I was even more shocked when Jay chimed in and said, I'm doing the same thing. Who? Jay Bear. Oh, really? I didn't know. I did not see Jay. that. And then, so pin, pinholing him about it, it's like, he, so his, I think his, this is his quote. When I, the day I started taking guest blogs on my on my blog, I ceased to be a blogger and I became a media company. 
Okay. And so I need to think. And so maybe you know, maybe they're just uh, on a different plane in terms of what we're thinking. Of. That that maybe that is the mindset in which they make decisions. Like, take uh, let's take the dates off. Let's take the uh, the comments out. I mean, the, the justification for the, the removing the comments was very much around. Uh, well, we have all these other conversations going on other sites, on social channels. We have people blogging about our content or you know, doing follow-up posts, and that's where the real conversation should happen, blah, blah, blah. I mean, a lot of that doesn't smell very real. Right. Um, well, it feels like a rationalization, right? I mean, you know, here's the reason we rationalize taking off yeah. the, con- or the comments rather than... I, I the- must say, having been someone who, for the first time, has had 600 comments in, in like 24 hours, it's... It's pretty hard to, to actually administer Did you actually that. read them all? Not only did I read them, I actually responded to them, right? Wow. You're so sweet. So, oh, no. You're such a sweet guy. Only because I was too stupid to know what you should yeah. do with such a thing. Now I'm going to go copy blogger and not get no comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. What do you think about this whole thing, Joe? I, I, I do find it, again, I was shocked, but now I'm starting to get my head around what other people think. Well, if you go back to the blog date thing, I always talk to Brian Clark about it and Jay as well. And I say, okay, well, at least you have the comments that gives it some right. context for when it was released. Because that's really, I think that's really important because I don't know, is this old information? Is it new? Is it relevant? And I need to know the date. Now, the challenge with that is the fact that Brian and Jay will both tell you that they overperform by removing the date. But I think that from there's an SEO a, perspective, from, from, from a, um, they get more traffic to those posts without a date and i don't uh, understand that i it's maybe it's seo ninja stuff i don't know like yeah, it's, maybe yeah. there's something maybe there are, i mean i can understand you be going back and actually making that that is the quintessential page for that topic and we go back and refresh it every few and months removing, or something to give okay, it so, right. so maybe they're giving life to that piece and just maybe they've got some stuff going in the background that means they're going to make that the magic location right. for that stuff that search engines love but they were talking about okay, why did he? Why did Brian remove and Sonia remove them? Basically, too much spam. They said ninety six percent or something spam comments on there. Just not enough. I don't buy any of that. Right, I, but that's I, a rationalization too, right? I mean, because you know the spam filters will catch ninety six or ninety seven percent of that, yeah. right? I think that well, outside of the fact that that post did, did really well, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're all, and here we are talking about it, yeah. giving Damn, him a lot of attention. Fell for it. A yeah. lot of attention over it, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm really curious about it from an from an ecosystem perspective. What does it mean for live fire and discuss? What I mean, what does it mean for if all these conversations in theory are happening on other platforms? What's the next wave of trying to bring those conversations back into somewhere where they can be harnessed? Well, that's so that it brings up a really good point, right? Which is, what is the ecosystem look like? Where it, you know, if if we were to follow the template here. And we say that, that, that conversations on blogs are no longer truly relevant, that if we buy this rationalization that the, the, if it's interesting enough to have a conversation about it, it will be blogged elsewhere or the conversation will happen elsewhere. What does happen to the live fires or the disgusts or the, you know, the, 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 the commenting systems that are out there really building a network of, you know, of followers and likes of, across the blogosphere, right? Which, to me, removes a certain lens by which we look at content more generally about how we discover how content is discovered. It's a it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting dynamic here of of, of 
you know, because, I mean, look, from a brand's perspective, they love this, right? I mean, it's like, oh, my God, you mean we can remove the comments and we're not going to get yelled at for doing that? I mean, that's, it's a really, it, it's, it, what they're doing is actually giving permission to say, you know what, it's okay to actually publish content and shut down the discussion on it. It's, 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 a, it's a double-edged sword for me. I, I, think, I, I think this will be, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this will become the rule. Yeah. I think that, I think that in the, the weblog or the blog as we know it will become an article. And there's so much conversation going on out there. They said Google Plus and LinkedIn now and whatever. You don't, it's, it's not necessary. It, it's, are comments necessary on anybody's blog? No. Because conversations are happening all over the place. See, I miss it, though. I miss it already. I mean, I but miss if, if, the discussion. Half the value I get out of a great blog post is watching the discussion to see what the discussion is. And I wonder what the connection is between short form and long form content. Because copy bloggers, they don't do short posts particularly, right? They're Usually right. long, over it's a thousand long. words. See, that, it's a challenging one. I, I, I'm still struggling with it. Uh, yeah. well, what, okay, so you're saying you think that's going to become the new benchmark. How does it look for CMI? Would you do the same? We, it's, it's hard. I was talking with Michelle about it. We don't get the amount of, we don't, you know, on, a, on an average post, we might get 10 to 15 comments. We don't get and five of those 200. Are you. Yeah. And well, yeah, and well, and, and it's usually you responding to everybody, thankfully. <laughs> because he's so sweet. Yeah, he's exactly. such a sweet man. They took the time, I, man. Well, here's, I mean, here's my take. There's no silver bullet, right? You can test this. You can check it out. You can see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. I would assume that if most brands took away the comments on their blog, not many people would say anything about it because there's not a lot of going on for the m- most part. I mean, I think this is really a platform decision yep. Yep. and how you're going to go to and market. And how many people really consume the full article and how many people just really are sharing that content on another pl- on Google Plus or Twitter or some other platform and they just want to have that little bit of stick engagement to be shown to give in some love, but they're not really going and giving well, the deep, the if deep you're feedback. A, if you're a media platform, what do you want? You actually, you want, I, I you don't want, want the, the comment. Yep. I want the share. So go and share it on some other platform and then start a new commentary on that. And then everybody can see that and then you get actually more traffic. It, from a traffic perspective, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so. I guess looking at, if you look at the way sites like Upworthy and BuzzFeed have really mastered this model of scale and huge viral amplification, maybe that's kind of where couple blogger are thinking as well. Like where do we sit in this mid-range of... They're a mega blog, but they're not quite a media company. And where can they make that transition to be more like that? Yeah. So at the risk of teeing you up for the giantest softball of all softball, what's, so what's next for you, my friend? What is, the, what is the mission now that you're part of the dark side of King Content and, 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 and the agency side of the business? What's the, what's the big mandate for you as he looks to his boss for the cue? <laughs> Show him the cue card, folks. Show him the Craig, cue card. Craig, we can delete oh, yeah. that dark side out. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah we, it's all recorded. Yeah. The wine is delicious, by the way, King Content. Look, I think on a, in, all, in all seriousness, talking about the Australian market in general, and I've heard you guys talk about this as well, this is a really hot market. So if, if, you, know, you can say it's, it's two years behind the U.S. or whatever, but the level of excitement, enthusiasm, and, and the, you know, I don't want to overuse the word ecosystem, but 
the creatives, the search guys, the you know the agencies, the corporates, everyone's at the point now whether this really is a, something's happening here, whether it's B two B or B two C. There's no doubt. It, it's it's like you know the the metaphor I always use is like the, you know the, just after the Big Bang and everything's expanding at an exponential rate and there's just opportunities in many directions here, and I think you know there's there's lots of great work going out throughout APAC and you know the region and. It's, it's just it's fascinating, and we're really you know I think the, the, we've talked about the platforms recently. So I, I must say, King's always had a, a, a foot in this sort of technology side of things. So and because we're always trying to get to the ROI of what's really going on, and I think that's going to become a, a bigger and deeper part of what's going on. And, and I've always been heavy on the tech side too. So I, you know I'm excited about that for sure. Awesome, awesome. Well, I, well. So first of all, thank you for the big bang. <laughs> And, you know, it's the first on the show. I yeah, believe. absolutely. Right. So, um, everybody, thank you. Um, thank, you. Applause, Big thank you to Todd Whelan for, yeah. Thanks guys. Thank you, sir. And so what did you think? It was our first guest ever. I don't know. I thought it, it felt like I was uh, between two ferns. Yeah, actually. <laughs> well, I, I've been called a lot of things, but a fern is not really one of them. But I'll take it. No, take I it thought it was fantastic. I thought he had some insight there. He wasn't drinking too much, so that helps. That always helps. Yeah, he was, he was sober <laughs> on that one. No, I, I, I like the take. I mean, I agree with the, the thoughts on the Australian market as well. I mean, it, we... It's, you know, I will tell you, this is our second year here. And each... It, it, it is, it is mind-blowing. We're not going to do... We're not going to have time for rants or raves in this show. But I will tell you, um, with, you know... With all due sucking up to Sydney, this is just such a wonderful city. And the, the, the market here and the thirst for content marketing more generally, it just could not be more evident. It's just, it's amazing here to, to come. It, it's, it really is coming into, you know, it coming it's much, into its own. much different conversations than last it's much year. Di- it's yes, much more absolutely. strategic, much less about yep. how much content can I get out there. Yep. Which was, you know, that was tough. I mean, we were, I mean, everyone last year, we were doing a lot of educating. And I think maybe a lot of that paid off for where we're at today, hopefully. Absolutely. So. All right, you want to introduce our next guest? Yes. Yeah, so our, you know, we not only have one guest, we have, right, we have two, two guests, guests, which is wonderful. Uh, so uh, two for the price good, of one. Our good friend, Mr. Tim Washer, decided yes. that he would, he would be our second guest on here. We and so, routed him here. No, Cisco joke. Okay, all right. I can't. Mind. Yeah, I, I'm all not. Right, I'm not. Right, never mind. I'm too. I'm too far <laughs> gone here. Yeah. So a big round of applause for Mr. Tim, Tim Washer. Washer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look, Thank you. Yeah, sit down. Sit down, please. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is nice. Yeah. <laughs> look at roses. I'm getting. This is wonderful. Are you drinking yeah. water? I am. I'm coasting now. You're, oh well, okay. Yes, coasting we, because you've started and you're now on coasting, the downhill slide. Coasting because they're out of Jägermeister. Okay, all so, right. So should you tell? Why don't you tell everyone like what you do, who you're with, why you're even here? <laughs> that kind of. Why thing. do you exist, Tim? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, I'm going to try to use uh, the word ecosystem in my response if I can. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, Toddy and I recorded a podcast at 30,000 feet two nights ago, which was, uh, that's as close as I'll ever get to the Mile High Club. And, I, and I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad I was with you, sir. I'm glad I was with you. 
Yeah. Hey, I work, I work for, uh, maybe I shouldn't mention my employer until uh, after the show. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how things go. Yeah. I work for Cisco. I've been at Cisco about four years. Is that the food service company? I drive yeah. a truck that says fish. On the <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Cisco uh, Systems, the yes. router. Yes. That's right, the router yeah. company. Yeah. Nice I, well, you know, it was an attempt. It was an attempt. Well done. Thank you. And so that was the – what were the other questions? I wasn't really listening. And the, um, you're, you're, what you're am I here. doing here? You, why are you here? You invited me. I invited I'm thrilled. you. I, I was here uh, – I've only been here one other time in about 14 years ago. Hold that mic right up to your mouth, How's buddy. this? There How's you go. How's this? This is nice? Yeah. Okay. We need that Radio FM voice. Thank you. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm feeling more insecure there than usual. Go. Okay. You're, well, you're a comedian. I mean, you do this all the time. Yes, but they usually turn the mic off on me by now. <laughs> they usually shut it down. Right. So this makes me insecure. Yeah, go ahead. What's some, what are some of the programs that you're running at Cisco from a content marketing perspective? Because you've told me, we've, you and I have had lovely phone conversations. We have. About some of the things that you're doing that... One of the are inappropriate. That we, well, fireable uh, offense. We'll, we'll save that for I've later. I've had a lot I'm, of conversations. I'm on my third glass of wine here yes. at the table, so... But one of the things that we talked about that I think is, is just – I mean, I use this actually in workshops that I teach. The documentary series yes. that you guys have created, The Network Effect. Yes, sir. Um, some of the things that you've created from, uh, from feeding traffic into the blog using video um, and the things that you're creating using humor. So talk about some of the things that you're creating that – I mean, you know, because Cisco is not one of the brands that you would normally associate with, uh, you know, pulling – you know, human emotion, and, you know, it's a router company, right? It's a hardware company, and we joke about that, but you have actually been able to bring the humanity and humor and interesting human emotion into something that would normally be thought of as, well, let's just develop more how-to content. Let's develop, you know, thought leadership, you know? So talk a little bit about how you've been able to bring some of that, the, the humor into something that would normally be fairly humorless. You know, the, the, key, the key thing, the number one success factor in doing this is being apathetic. You know, be, be, <laughs> and I'm not, that's my core competency right there is apathy. And I'm not trying to brag. But you have to, I, the, what has worked is all the projects you just mentioned, I, I kind of did that like in a closet. And, it, and the, the challenge with large organizations, I was at IBM before Cisco for like six years and we just we just have this mentality of committees let's get a committee to look at this let's get committee let's get committees of committees and, and let's do some conference calls let's have some cadence calls and some interlocks that stuff <laughs> that drives me nuts and the problem is and you get you know 20 30 people anybody who could who can make it you know we'd love to have you and share your opinion even though you know nothing about this you've never written anything in your life you know, uh, and that's not, I'm not saying that about everybody, but I'm talking about with the comedy specifically. Right. You know, when I get notes from somebody on a comedy, you know, and it's maybe someone from accounts payable who wandered by, that's tough for me. I have a hard time saying that, yeah, that's a good idea. Right. So th those, I think, I think that uh, seriously, you have to say, you have to be willing to say, look, I'm not, I am not going to necessarily, I'm going to care more about the content then care about whether uh, everybody's going to say this is a good piece of work. That's what I'm talking about, apathy. You really have to say, I, I, I have a passion about creating this stuff, and I'm going to do it the right way that I think is right, and not necessarily and say, try to please everybody. When you say that it's a passion for creating the content, is it a passion for 
understanding what that audience wants to hear, or is it is it sort of disregarding the the sort of status quo of 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 you know the stuff that we've all we've always done, right? Or a little bit of both. I guess there's there 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 might there might be a mix of that, right? But but it's this idea. I wonder, and, and, de and in dealing with as many large organizations as, as we typically deal with, one of the struggles that we often hear is, is that this, you can create content, but then it ends up going through so many committees yeah. and groups right. and bosses, and, but it loses any impact it might have had. Yes. Is it disregarding that and just sort of, sort of working on your own in a skunk works kind of thing, or is it rather working outside the rules or how how do you actually get it done it's it's so it's both of those things it's it's working skunk works it's it's working outside of the rules and i think you have to have an understanding of an audience and what connects but i i really do not like to sit down like with a data book and say tell me what the strat i mean you have to know what the strategy is everything has to sync up right but I, I've never written anything for an audience. You don't want to write for the audience. You want to write from, hey, at least as a comedian, you want to write from, hey, listen, this is funny to me. Right. And if, if I know how to tell a joke and write a joke or tell a story, it's going to resonate. With a documentary, the same thing. The documentary that was not humorous at all. There was no humor in it. It was just moving stories. It was like, let's go find these emotional stories about how the telecom network makes a difference in people's lives. And, and, I, and it was a total skunk works project because I was afraid that once we got committees involved, people would say, you know what, let's interview a bunch of Cisco executives. Right. And that would have pulled people right out of the story. But is, isn't it a problem, though, because you are not the audience? Like, we, we've talked, we work with a lot of companies, that, and they say, oh, this is really good. This will work. And I'm like, you're not the audience. So don't get sucked in by that. But you're just saying, oh, no, if it's good, if it's funny to me. Yeah, I mean, so not everybody can do that, but, but an artist can do that. And, and I'm very reluctant to, to put myself in that category. But I, I now understand it. I would have never, ever said that about myself. But you do get to a point, like in stand-up. I started stand-up maybe 12 years ago, and, or 15. I don't know what it was. But, <laughs> the, you know, you... I, at least I did. I first started off wanting to make sure I didn't offend anybody. That was my number one goal. Is I don't want to, and that's that's the most naive. That's the most naive idea in the world. Sure, you, you know that would never. Absolutely, you have to get to a point where you say, "Look, I have something to say, and I have a voice, and and this is it." And once you, and I think everybody, you know, I love, love, love what John Cleese. Uh, says about creativity and I'll talk about this uh, tomorrow maybe the next day he says listen we, we don't, we're all creative every person's creative you just have to get in a creative state you have to get in a place where you're free of criticism including your own inner critic and, and say something and everybody has a voice you just have to figure out how to, how to find it and it takes a while it's funny that, that my, my talk tomorrow is, is, has got Cleese in it it's a Creativity is not a talent. It's a way of operating. Yes, absolutely. And it's, and it's challenging in a large corporate environment and even mid-sized companies because so many people are concerned about, uh, you know, we want to, how am I going to be perceived if I take right. this risk? And that's, that's the danger. That's the death of creativity. And one of the things that I loved about, you know, when you and I talked about the network effect, and, and I mean, it's one of my, I mean, I, to this day I use it as one of the stalwart examples of, 
content marketing at its finest where, you know, because one of the things that we talk about at CMI is that you don't have to be big, you have to be remarkable, right? So you yes. don't, it doesn't, it's not about going viral, it's about reaching the audience and engaging the audience that you're targeting. And you and I talked about this where it wasn't about the network effect, this documentary series going viral, it was about reaching CIOs, it was about reaching the people that mattered and actually engaging them and, and, and to me, that's such, a, that's such a strong way of thinking about content, right? Because we, we're sort of ingrained in this idea that if we're creating content, it must be seen by as many people as possible. And instead, it's this idea of the people that it is seen by, that it actually has impact. And so, I mean, so are you thinking about that as you, as you create something like the network effect, or are you just thinking, you yeah. know what, I'm just trying to create something great here? It's just, that's, that's it. It's just, it's just and, and also, but I am care. it's not trying to create something great. It's, it's trying to, I think this is meaningful. To me, this is meaningful. Uh, maybe a way to illustrate it is in 2006, I did a, a comedy for IBM, and it was just a, it was an absurd, self-deprecating comedy. And... Uh, we, it, it, a lot of people, there were, there were plenty of people to throw rocks at it, believe me. But at the same time, we had, there were, one of our senior vice presidents watched this. He, he watched this all the time. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And when people tell me, well, senior executives, you know, are not going to watch comedy, they're wrong. That's not right. It, it, the other thing is, 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 is people say, well, comedy doesn't translate. It's not global. That's wrong, too. This thing was translated in, like, seven different languages. Uh, so if it connects in the right way. I, and the thing is, what, what connects is when you're true to your voice. When, when you get to the point that you understand your voice and you say, I have something to say, I have a point of view, and this is how I'm going to express it. And it may not be comedy for you, but, but it could be music. It could be all different types of shades. But it's just simply saying... Here is my voice, and not because a committee. Once it goes to committee, it's not your voice well, anymore. At, at the end of the day, though, I mean, if if anyone out here starts doing a series of videos or focusing on the things that you're talking about, at the end of the day, how are you going to be measured? Because it's a, it's tough unless you have a lot of rope in your organization, yes. you need a lot of freedom. Yeah. That most of these people are going to get pulled back from that because we want to see some results. So, and I, and I get that. And so I think the way to manage that is you, you know, you have your marching orders. We all have our marching orders. So you got to do your job. But if you have an idea, start learning your voice on the side. Everybody should have their own. How many people here have your own personal blog? So, uh, yeah, by that's right, voice. I raised my hand. I got in trouble for that. It's not, sh- <laughs> it's not charades, guys. Yeah. It's, it's an audio thing, right? That's right. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, it's okay. I made a mistake. It's okay. You're a comedian. It's so what, uh, that was uh, 87%, I think. Is yeah. that right? Numbers or something like that? Yeah. Anyway, if you don't set up a WordPress account and start whatever you want to blog, and Blogger's good, isn't it? That's another great one. Sure. A couple of years ago, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Tumblr. Anyway, yeah. MySpace. T- I mean, no, it's Tumblr, all good. Yeah, Tumblr is great. Even, even, if it, yeah, even if it's just, you know what I love is Instagram uh, because you can just, you can write a caption and you have a post done. And if you just start writing every day, you'll start to discover your voice. And it can just be a very simple caption. Uh, you know, even on a Facebook post, you'll start to discover your voice. And find, think about those things. 
that, that what they teach you in stand-up, in the first stand-up comedy class you ever take, they will teach you, what, they'll ask you, what are your pet peeves? What annoys you and what angers you? And that's a great, simple way to find out, okay, these are the things that matter to me. And, and you peel that onion a bit, you start writing about those things, and you'll quickly discover your voice. Anyway, all of that is to say is I think that's critical. Everybody needs to be doing that now. Get your day job done. You know, show the metrics the best you can. But at some point, those are going to intersect because you'll gain more influence where you can use that with your, with your job at the office to create content. There's also times on my personal blog where I can then go back and promote a video that we've done for Cisco, and it'll get, it'll get discovered that way. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's the it's it, a, you know it's it's funny that you mentioned that the, the the idea of getting to the real heart of it one of the things that's it's so speaking of stand up comedy there there's a wonderful by the way if you if you want to go out and, and and search on YouTube for this it's wonderful there's a tribute that Louis C K did to George Carlin and it's completely Im- improvised where he comes up and does a, a you know a tribute to George Carlin where he says. For 15 years, he was doing the same thing over and over and over. And he knew it sucked. He knew it was horrible. And what George Carlin told him was that every year you come up with something new. And he said, okay, so the first year you, you say, well, this is my voice. This is what my pet peeves are. And the second year you go, all right, well, that's done. So now you come up with your dreams and your ambitions and what it's like to be human. It's like, all right, well, then that's done. And you get finally into your fears and your deepest, darkest secrets. And he goes, and then you find it. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. I've, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about this today. It took me a while. To, I took a class from uh, Eddie Brill, who is the warm-up comedian for David Letterman, which is one of our late-night talk shows in, in the States. And Eddie, the, the first thing, he walks into class and he says, okay, there are two things you need to be a stand-up comedian. And I'm thinking, okay, well, to be clever and to be funny and witty, it's one, something like that. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you got to be honest, and you have to be vulnerable. That's what you need. And I didn't get that for a while. It took me a year to figure out what he was saying, to really let that in. But now I'm at a point when I, when I you know, are performing, if somebody, somebody will come up and say hi to me afterwards, and they talk to me like they've known me forever. And I realize that, I mean, I'm sharing stuff that I share with our marriage counselor. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's that <laughs> right. kind of stuff. And sometimes my wife doesn't like it that much, and that's why we go back to counseling more and more. But that's, that's an incredible takeaway. That's an incredible takeaway for brands and marketers more generally, right? As we start thinking about content marketing, it's, it's you know, too often this idea of transparency <laughs> is, is, is brought up, right? And it's not transparency. It's the idea of being vulnerable. It's the idea right. of that we actually can make a mistake and we actually do have, you know, human emotions. That, that, I think yeah. those are the most interesting stories. If, if you're looking for a place to find an interesting story at your company, yeah. look at your failures. Where did you fail? And this is a hard thing to sell. I remember we tried to get this done at IBM once. And they, whoa, whoa, the executives went nuts. We're not going to talk about our failures. What are you talking about? And understandably so. I mean, you have a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. I get that. But if you, you can tell failures and, and you talk about the devastation that you faced on this project, right? Because we've all been devastated. We've all, we've all felt that way. We have all experienced that. And that's what connects with people. And then, and the, you know, obviously you wrap it up with like, here's what I've learned. And then here's what we ended up producing. And it worked out. 
So it ends up being a good story for the company, a positive story for the company, but it connects. Well, this is why we're a long way off from where we're going we're to be with this industry because most brands aren't even close to making that happen. That's right. I mean, honestly, for all the faults of Cisco Systems, you, I mean, you're able to do some things that most people aren't able to do, correct? That, that's and right. It, it's, and, and and most really, companies I talk to aren't even close to being vulnerable. That's or right. Whatever, I mean... Yeah, they talk about authenticity and transparency, which yeah. you probably can't have without vulnerability. And we're, they're not, it's not even close. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got to run it through legal. Yeah. yeah. Legal no, don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, forget it, that. It, you it, don't, you it, don't always have to run it by legal. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> one thing, if they say the attorney's seen it, go hire your own attorney. I've got, got a personal injury guy. He's $300 an hour. There it is. He'll approve anything. There it okay? is. <laughs> That's the note to go out on, Tim. Yeah. That's, the, that's, 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 that's the actual note to go out on, that you've got your own personal injury guy. That's right. Yeah. Let me hook you up. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, give us a big hand. Thank you. Mr. Tim Washer. Washer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Cisco Thanks Assistance. for doing this. Go get another water. Well, this was, a, this was an interesting evening, I it think. It was interesting. I, I was just listening. Well, I learned one thing. When you drink, you're really talkative. Well, like you, you know, go, you talk a lot more you when you shut drink. shut me up. I mean, I'm, I'm sure... You know, well, the thing is, you, 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 get, you get a couple of glasses of wine in me, and then you start talking about stand-up comedy, and I just, you know, yeah. and, you know and, and I go nuts. So we have a couple of days ahead of us that are just really going to be exciting. It's going to be so fantastic. We, we kick it off tomorrow, yeah? Tomorrow morning, we kick it off. Uh, we have a full day of general session with some amazing speakers, and then we've got another day of breakouts, and I'm just excited. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. We've, we're pretty much double what we did last year here. So it's, it's amazing. It's, it's really exciting that all the people came out. So. It's really exciting. Thank all of you for coming and hanging out. People actually, and yeah, there's, three, there's three people left in the audience. Yeah. They seem really, they I mean, seem one nodded really, off. They're not in their but, phones anymore. They're not like typing in. They're like, okay, we're done tweeting. This is just yeah. stupid now. I mean, you guys are like drunk, and that's really all there is to it. You guys? Yeah. Well, well you know. I mean, come on. One, I mean, look at it. Look, look, I mean. <laughs> Here's the scoreboard, forks. <laughs> that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is me, Robert Rose, signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to check Twitter to see if there was any questions. Hashtag thisoldmarketing or send an email, would you, to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode live for the first time, number 20. And we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher.com. All those links in the show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next time on This Old Marketing. Woo!